Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. It seems so inconsistent. Our society is so health-oriented, yet obesity, which is one of the most dangerous of all medical conditions, is so much on the rise. The question is why. Joining us is Andrew Rosen, a clinical psychologist in Palm Beach County in Florida, who's here to help us look at the lifestyle and the psychology of being thin or that of being overweight. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you. We know that for some people, being overweight comes from medical or genetic issues, but for so many of the overweight people, it seems to be more of a lifestyle issue, or perhaps it may be even proper to raise it up to the level of some type of psychological problem. We clearly need to intervene, but where do we begin? How do we start when someone is obese? If we're talking about somebody who comes into a clinical setting, the first step is to consider it to be multifaceted between the biology of the person and their psychological and social environment. I don't think it's possible to just say it's their hormones or it's their metabolism, nor is it possible to say it's just their psychology or their social milieu or something external to them. I think it's some interaction. For some reason, a particular individual ends up in a state where they are obese Usually it develops over time. At that point, a person is either going to realize it and somehow deal with it, or they turn off their awareness to the problem and just go about life basically denying the existence of the problem. Is it an addiction? Is, it, is there such a thing as a food addiction? Well, clearly in the field of psychology and psychiatry, we know people have what are called eating disorders. If we think of it in terms of people have eating disorders to psychiatric illness. But I think for the most part, people who have weight problems or obesity problems don't necessarily have a disorder of an addiction to food. I think it's more of a lifestyle mixed with their biology. On an ongoing basis, they just maintain and gain weight. Is there an issue of self-image? Do people who suffer from obesity, and perhaps I'm being far too much of a generalist here, do they have a different self-image than the one who insists on being very thin? Well, I would say that the body image is different. When a person is obese, they adapt to that body image, and they may or may not necessarily at any given point in time experience themselves as obese. Just as the person who is extremely thin has a distorted body image where they may not see themselves as extremely thin. They may see themselves as needing to lose more weight. The reference points change. The body image or their self-image adjusts accordingly. A person who's obese may or may not have low self-esteem. If you were to examine that person or give them formal psychological instruments to see how their self-esteem is, it may be that that person's self-esteem looks pretty strong, even though they may be 100 pounds over what their weight should be. Now, that's an interesting concept because I think there is an, a notion that if someone is overweight, they're irresponsible, that they're not taking care of their physical bodies well enough, hmm. and that there is something shall we say, wrong about that? Right. In some respects, that's true. If you just look at it aside from the aesthetics and just look from a health perspective, clearly the person is not taking care of their body. Now, there's no question if you're obese, this is not a good thing. Bad for your current health, it's bad for longevity, and obviously increases the incidence of premature mortality. There's no question you would have to say that a person who is obese is neglecting their health. As such, there's a problem there. 
They may or may not be neglecting any of the issues in terms of aesthetic. But from a health perspective, clearly they're in denial and not dealing with something. It raises also the question that someone who lives in our society, which is a thin-oriented society, if they are obese, then that aspect of the social judgments don't register with them. They don't care about it, perhaps. Right. I think it's very similar to this morning I was driving and I noticed a gentleman in the next car with his window down and a cigarette lit hanging out the window so that he didn't pollute the internal part of his car. Probably a man in his 40s or something like that smoking away, obviously in complete denial about what he was doing to his body and his health. Clearly in our culture today, smoking is not accepted. It's usually looked at as either a negative or disgusting or why would that person not be taking care of their body better? Why would that person be smoking? What's wrong with that person, etc.? So I think it's very similar to obesity in the sense that society frowns upon obesity. Most people know that it's a bad thing, that it's bad for one's health, that people look at the obese person in a negative way. But there is enough what we call compartmentalization about it so that that given person just doesn't deal with it. They don't pay attention to it any more than the smoker pays attention to the fact that they're smoking. They have their own little denial system, which allows them to keep smoking, or the obese person has a denial system that allows them to keep eating and gaining weight. Consequently, if the internist comes along and says, you have to lose weight, they may not feel the motivation to do that unless they become medically frightened in some manner. Right. Just like with smoking. It usually takes some scare for a person to not just acknowledge, oh, I shouldn't eat or I shouldn't smoke, but actually do something about it in a sustained way to fix the problem. I've often been impressed in our society, especially in in television and media, there are role models, and most of the role models are people who are thin. I don't recall if there are heavyset role models. They're usually comedians. You know, there's probably some truth to that. The role models, the people who have status within the media are usually comedians where people find funny. Then how do we motivate somebody realistically to lose weight or better yet? How do we as adults in the community convince teenagers not to let themselves get obese? What's your thoughts on that? Well, clearly, most adolescents know if they're obese or they have a weight problem. Usually, there's a lot of social ridicule, teasing, bullying, ostracizing. So the obese child is very well aware of the negatives from that perspective. It seems as though the social ridicule aspect of it doesn't do much for most obese children. They maintain their obesity. And just like smoking, it's hard to tell an adolescent that obesity or smoking is bad for them because the usual response will be, well, I know it's bad, but I'll worry about it some other time when I'm older when it might have an impact on me. But for right now, it's no big deal. It's a really, really very difficult situation to address. How does one get somebody who's not motivated to lose weight get motivated to lose weight? We really don't know how to do that. It doesn't look like socially driven programs warning children or adults about damage of obesity really works since obesity rates have increased, not decreased. And it doesn't look like having an increase in the thin role models, whether they be males or females, in the media has had an impact on obesity. That mixed with the fact that our lifestyles today are more sedentary, more consumed with sitting behind a desk with a computer or playing video games or the fact that we don't sit down very much to family dinners anymore, so there's a lot more fast food. 
makes it a lot more complicated in terms of helping people address obesity. We have too much food and it's too easy to get to it. Too much food, too much of the wrong food, not enough activity. Obesity is increasing the rates of it. There also seems to be a sense, and perhaps the word hedonism is a bit strong, but that I can go ahead and enjoy the food now because when I get in trouble later on, there will be a pill or a surgery or something that will fix me so I don't have to worry about the ramifications of my behavior. Right. I mean, that's big. We're so used to thinking that if there isn't a cure yet or a pill yet, at some point there probably will be. So let me just enjoy myself or if I'm not enjoying myself, at least let me be. And at some point I'll deal with it and there'll be a pill and, and everything will be fine. You know, like the Wizard of Oz, it'll just be taken care of by the guy behind the curtain. You and I were speaking previously about your observations when you were in Latin America mm. and the cultural differences. I was fascinated by what you had observed. What struck you as being interesting? It's an exaggeration of what we see here in America. That is, there's much more of a two-class system there where you have the upper class and the lower class. And in the upper class, there's definitely a lot of attention paid to appearance and body type and weight and exercise and looking thin and looking like you're a celebrity. In the lower class, there's very little of that. You definitely see a correlation between class and weight, the upper class being thin and the lower class being heavy. Not necessarily obese, but I would say I mean, I don't have any normative data on it, but I do know anecdotally and just with observation, clearly there's a difference in correlation with weight and class. I think it's a combination, again, of exposure to, in the upper class, to more media-driven kinds of issues and in the lower class, less, and also probably accessibility to healthier food in the upper class versus the lower class. Also, in the lower class in other countries, there's a generalized acceptance of the fact that this is where I belong. This is as far as I go. This is as high as I go. My goals are limited by my class. That doesn't necessarily mean there's unhappiness with that, but in fact, probably there's more acceptance and tranquility with that for many people. And I think correlated with that is not only do I not have to or cannot make more money and have a higher level job or better home or better car, but same thing with one's body. I think there's more of an acceptance of one's body and I don't need to look a certain way. I don't need to look thin. I don't need to have a chiseled body. It's okay to have the body that that I have and enjoy it or accept it. The issue is multifaceted, but I do notice when you go to other countries, and I think there is some normative data that reinforces the idea that it is class-related. It almost suggests that part of the process of being professionally successful is the requirement that we be thin. Now, I know it's not an absolute, but it seems to be almost an unspoken requirement that you must be thin and not obese in order to be successful. I think it's expected. I've heard many times from patients that it's hard for them to identify with or even use the word respect professionals who seem to be in poor physical health or 100 pounds overweight or happens to smell from nicotine or etc. There's a certain expectation that you be the best you can be. There's more pressure on professionals to be that than there might be for other people. And maybe that being obese is not to really have control over your urges. 
that's pretty much the old model that one doesn't have control over one's urges. That may have morphed into a little bit of a less negative concept that says more that if you're obese, then you're just not attending to the problem. It may not be that you're not specifically controlling urges as much as you're not focused and motivated and dealing with one problem that exists in life, and that is dealing with one's health. You've done, over the years, a lot of work with people who have had problems with cigarette addiction and obesity and so on. How do you go about getting someone to help them lose weight? What's the steps that they have to learn to accept in order to lose weight? What do you think is necessary to get someone to be on a very serious weight reduction program from the position of a psychologist? Usually people who have weight problems or obesity problems don't make their visit to the psychologist's office as frequently as they might make it to somebody else's office. Usually the first line will be their general medical doctor. That's the person that really has to do most of the challenging and confronting and motivating, whether it be in the form of positive motivating or fear. You know, I always use the concept when I talk about motivation with people, that there's two things that make a person motivated or metaphorically run fast. It's either that they're chasing something that they really want to catch up to, or they're running away from something that's really just about to catch them and bite them in their back. The positive motivation for obesity would be usually wanting to achieve better health or better aesthetic appearance. The fear model is if I don't do this real soon, I'm liable to get very sick and die. The first line of defense is the medical doctor and physician who really needs to address both of those. It's only somebody who already has some degree of motivation that will attend an appointment in my office. If they're there for that purpose and they already have some motivation, then my model with people is try to employ as many methods as possible to increase the likelihood of success. That would include psychotherapy or these days more of a cognitive therapy model where one helps look at the way one's thinking affects one's behavior and feelings. The other is to insist that somebody become involved in some sort of activity or physical exercise program because without that, it's a sure defeat. Nobody can lose weight without increasing their activity level. And it also helps other aspects of self-esteem and mood, and we know how it affects levels of depression and anxiety. So I insist that anybody who's in my office, really for any addiction, but as well with obesity, that they have to have some sort of exercise program, and they have to have a support system, whether it's one of the 12-step programs such as OA, just any, any place that one can go where there are people also involved in losing weight. What we know is that it's not possible to do it just by sitting in one's office once a week and talking about their feelings. What's very interesting is that when we read the literature and it talks about cardiac disease as one of the major killers in our society, the cardiac disease comes from obesity mm -hmm. in so many cases. Right. And so you bring up some very good points. There has to be a fear. Right. There has to be a drive. But we're not being very successful. You just have to walk through our malls and see. It still amazes me when I walk through the mall or, the, you know, the classic thing that gets me every year is when I take the grandkids up to Orlando and we walk around the parks of Disney and you see people over and over again, lots of people who are not just marginally overweight but obese, wolfing down all of the worst food in the world, and they look as happy as could be doing it. So there's definitely a disconnect. 
it's going to take a lot to change it, and it's not just going to be one modality. It's going to be a lot of things that hopefully will eventually change it. But people have to be afraid. Unfortunately, a certain segment of our population on that normal curve is never afraid of anything. They're never afraid of the effects of smoking. They're never afraid of the effects of obesity. They're never afraid of the effects of getting diabetes. They're not afraid of the effects of just about anything. There's just kind of a denial mechanism. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to completely do anything or even much about that. People who are depressed very often overeat. How do we assess whether the overeating is from a depression or from this attitude towards overeating that you just referred to? How, how complicated is it to make that differentiation? One thing I look at is whether or not the obesity is more recent or it's been there for a long time and growing. Somebody who becomes depressed over a certain period of time, whether it be acute depression or a major depression, will then develop a weight problem. The person who has been obese for many years is more likely to develop depression secondarily to the effects of their health problems or their social isolation or self-esteem problems that do develop from obesity. Andrew Rosen is a clinical psychologist in Palm Beach County in Florida. He's been doing this for a number of years already, and his experiences are invaluable and have led to these observations today. Dr. Rosen, thank you so much, and we need to, as a society and as professionals, address this problem. It's a serious one. I thank you for having me here today. It was good to talk with you. Take care.